Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Well, all right, I'd like to start with a quote each, each uh, Sunday. Here's our quote for this Sunday. You can discover what your enemy fears most by observing the means he uses to frighten you. Amen. You can discover what your enemy fears most by observing the means that he uses to frighten you. See, if the enemy is always frightening you, telling you that you are going to fail, it's because he's afraid that you're going to succeed. Amen? If he's always telling you and, and frightening you by telling you you can't make it, it's because he's scared that you can. Telling you that, that, that you, you, you're not going to reach it is because he knows that you can. Telling you that there's no way that you're going to ever achieve it, it's because he knows that you can. Amen? If, if the enemy keeps telling you that the, 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 one of the reasons that keeps people from bonding and from growing in church and from getting connected and from being used is because the enemy will tell you, you're not going to be accepted. It's because his biggest fear is that you are already fully accepted in God. Amen? So if you're fully accepted, would you just high five somebody next to you? Let, tell, if somebody's not feeling it, just tell them, listen, you're fully accepted. Tell somebody, you are fully accepted. Tell them, even dressed like that, you are fully accepted. Even with a fitted, you're fully accepted. Amen. We're in the middle of a series right now, and we've just kind of been going through the life of the prophets, and we're in the middle of this thing, and, you know, we, we started off with Elijah in, in the book of 1 Kings, and we started off when he first showed up there, and... um. We're just having fun with this, with this series. We're having fun with seeing where God has taken us and where, God, where the Word of God takes us through His Word. Amen? And so it's, we're kind of too deep in now to, to recap everything. So I just want to let you know, sanctuaryfellowship.org, you can podcast, you can download, you can get all the rest of the messages on there if you like. It's free. We're not trying to sell anything. So last week, I just want to do a little recap of last week because to, to me, that was so important for me. And I had to hit pause on a verse in the passage last week that grabbed my heart. And the pause was where it says that we read the Word of God says, There was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness urged on by Jezebel, his wife. And we're talking about how the, the bond that forms when two people lie together. Yes, we're talking about sex in church last week, and we're going to talk a little bit about it today, if that's all right. That's cool? All right. So there's a bond that forms. The Word says that two become one. And, and I pause there because I hate, I hate that I hate that I hate to see people going from relationship through to relationship to relationship to relationship and each time giving themselves completely away, holding nothing back, keeping nothing in reserve, treating as common that which is sacred.
treating as common that which is sacred. See, and, and I started thinking about it, and it's probably because uh, I'm, I'm just saying, man, so many people, I guess, have bought the lie or have simply been brought up growing, believing the lie that you don't buy it till you try it. Like there's four people in here so quiet. I wonder how many, I, I tried the principle, I went to the store and, and I, I grabbed a pack of cookies and I said, I'm just going to try this. If I like it, I'll come back and pay for it. Didn't work, right? No, that, that had to, my, friend, my friend had to go get me out of jail or something. You, you can't, you, that, that, don't, that doesn't work anywhere in life. But we have this, this notion, you know, and so the more I thought about it, I came to the realization that maybe while some people know and just don't care, some people might not just really not know, right? Is that possible? That some people might really just not know. You just grow up, you know, believing that, and, and, and we've been taught by parents and generation of parents. And Because, you see, if we go back far enough, we have parents that were in church. If we go back far enough, we, we got those great grandmas that are always praying for us, always, every time they look at you, oh, estoy dando la rodilla por ti. And, and they're always on their knees for you, right? But, but there's, now there's generation after generation in this time that nobody, there's no grandmas playing. Grandmas still make a love in the club, right? Am I lying? And so, so we don't have, there's that godly generation hasn't been passed down. So it's, it is possible that some just don't know. And so we do what we hear, we do what, what we see in movies, what, we, what music tells us, we do what the culture says. And the culture says, try it if you buy it, you know, buy it, try it before you buy it, amen? And so, see, I, um, I talk to people all the time about that, you know, and, and, and you know, you, if you say, well, waiting for, waiting for marriage to have sex, come on, come on, people look at me, come on, you gotta be kidding me. You got, like, that's, that's just one of those nice things that, that nice people say to keep things nice, you know? That's, that's just one of those things that we hear growing up, but that's old school. That's old-fashioned. That's not realistic. It's a nice thing that nice people say to keep people nice, basically, right? And, and even though some have heard that that's from the Bible, they say, well, come on. I mean, the Bible is written in a different time to different people in a different culture, Right? Is that, is that that really relevant to us today? Is that really like, come on, right? And and see what that is because I, I get into all these arguments and all this reasoning. What that is is called secular humanism, and secular humanism is the belief that humanity is capable of morality and self fulfillment without belief in God. And that's basically we're living in a world of secular humanists where it, it basically listen, I don't need God to tell me what morality is, and I don't need God to tell me what fulfillment is. I'll find fulfillment in, in anyone and any how that I decide to find fulfillment. And then there's always those drugs on TV that'll cure the simplex and it'll cure everything. So it's all good. Right? Somebody looked at me like that's disturbing. But, but you see, it, it's kind of, I, I want to talk to you about that law of sexuality because, you see, as a little kid in science class, I learned one day about the law of gravity, right? And, and the teachers were talking about the law of gravity, and, and that's kind of complex to think about, you know, this pull from the center of the earth and, and how the gravity is different in, in, on the moon or in space, and, and that's kind of, you know, really detailed. And so, I, I, you know, I started thinking about that, and I, and I said, man... 
I don't, I, even today I really don't, you know, understand how that really works. But it only took me one time to fall off of something really high. To, to, to then realize, oh, that's how gravity works. You know, it only took one time to walk off of something high or to lean off of something high or to drop something that, that meant something to me, right? How you guys feel when you drop that expensive PDA? Oh, when you drop that iPod? Oh, that hurts, right? That $200 video iPod and just bang and you see it go and it just keeps falling, or that PDA that just, the battery comes off, and the case, and it opens up, and, 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 and it's like, wow, but that's the law of gravity, isn't it? Because if there was no law of gravity, it, you would have dropped it, and it would have stayed there, and you would have just picked it up again. And so, it, quickly, we learn about the law of gravity, and, but, but check this out. Even if I didn't believe in the law of gravity, I'd still be bound by it, wouldn't I? So the, there's something about laws that even if I refuse to believe it, I'm still bound by it. And, and so that's why I'm kind of taking this time to help you understand there's laws about our sexuality. The Word of God says that when we do, the two become one. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. That's not an old wives' tale. That's not old school. That's not old-fashioned. That's not, that's not about nice people. <coughs> That's the, the, the word of, that comes from the word of God and the word of God says that I created you and I created your sexuality and so whether you believe it or not, you're still bound by it. Isn't it amazing that God who created our sexuality, because you know, we didn't make this up, right? Like, not, like one day somebody didn't think, hey, uh, I got, you got, and this wasn't like, understand that sex wasn't a perversion. You, you understand? This sex is something God created and he made the parts. Say amen. And so, you know, it's only us that take it and make it dirty. But if God created something and made the parts for it and made it all oh, so good, it, it, there's, there's laws to it. And, and there's things that happen with it. Amen. And so the word says the two become one. But, 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 but listen, so even if you don't believe that, Understand that you're bound by the effects of it. Amen? Now, please understand, we're not judging today. And, and we didn't bring you here to throw on, you know, this condemnation on you. We're not trying to shame anybody today. I just want people to know. Is that all right? I just want you to be educated. I want you to know. Because in case you never knew, now you know. Amen? In case you never knew, why do I have so many issues? Why do I got so much baby drama mama? And why do I got so... Why? Well, because there were laws to that. Amen? And so now we're living in that. And, and, and just so you know, I just don't want you to be ignorant to God's word. Amen? I want you to be educated. So would you just turn to somebody and say, relax. He just wants you to know. I just want you to know, and God just wants you to live like you know. Amen? See, it might sound old-fashioned, but if he won't wait for it, there's probably not much else he's going to wait for you for. Amen? It might sound old-fashioned, but if she's just giving it away, she probably hasn't attached much value to it, and she's not going to attach much value to you. Can we close that? All right, we're in 1 Kings chapter 20. We're talking about King Ahab. Somebody say, thank God, that's over. Please don't mention that again. I'm going to start getting emails. 
1 Kings chapter 20 is, I, I, I love what's happening here. Listen, God has shown all this mercy to King Ahab again and again and again. We've been talking about it in every one of the series. And at this point in chapter 20, the, the king, there's an enemy, the king of Aram comes. And he's an enemy to King Ahab. And he threatens him. And he comes to take his woman and his children and to take over all of God's land. This is Israel, so this is God's land. And this is an enemy of God's people. And he's threatening Ahab. And, and God steps in. And even though the enemy's armies were bigger and stronger, God delivered him in power and showed him once again to King Ahab so that King, the word says, so that King Ahab would know that he is Lord. So everything that God did for Ahab, it says, so that, he said, I'm going to deliver those armies into your hands so that you would know that he is Lord. I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to rescue you so that you would know that he is Lord. Okay, so listen, because you you really got to get that because everything that God does in and around you is fashioned so that you may know that he is Lord. So many times our prayer is, God, show yourself. God, prove yourself. And all the while, God has shown us again and again and again in his mercy so that we may know that he is God. The title of this message is that you may know. Because I just want you to know. Amen? And God wants you to live like you know. So God does all of that for Ahab, but listen to what Ahab does. The king Ben-Hadad, that was his name, was the enemy of God's people. Two times we read in chapter 20 that he came against King Ahab and, and the people of Israel with intention to take over all of them and enslave them, to take their women, their children. And two times God delivered them. He let Ahab win. And, and then this king, the officials that, that hang out with the king Ben-Hadad, he, they, they realize they're defeated. Their armies are wiped out. I mean, thousands. It says thousands of their soldiers were killed. So they, each time they barely escaped with their lives. And so the officials go to king, the king Ben-Hadad and tell him, Listen, um, I, we've heard that the kings of Israel are merciful. Maybe if we just repent and throw ourselves down at him, maybe he'll let us live. So it says that they came to him in sackcloth and asked for mercy that he may live. Were they really sorry? What do you think? I don't think so. Do you think they were really repentant? I don't think so. You know how sometimes we get in so much trouble and we just say, God, please do this? God, I'm sorry, I'll never do this again. How many of you have ever said that? God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. Right? Sometimes we say with a pregnancy test, God, I'll never do this again. Sometimes we say while we're waiting for the results of a test someplace, God, I'll never do this again. And then what happens? You, you, you get through it sometimes. Sometimes you don't because the consequences still find you out sometimes. But sometimes, I don't know why, but you get through it. It's almost like you got away with it. And immediately we forget. Right? Immediately we forget. Say, okay, whew. So I, I missed the knife that time. Thank God and, 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 and go. Listen, I'll tell you a, a quick short story. My wife and I got saved that way. That wasn't even, that wasn't even in, in my message. But, but my wife and I made a bet with God. When we were boyfriend and girlfriend, we were this big. Six, right? Because we've been married for 19 years. So we got married at four or five. Amen. Amen. I'm a blessed man. And, and so... 
we had, we had done something and we said, God, if you would just do this, we'll go to church on Sunday. Only, we probably had made many bets before, but, but this one we actually, God did it for us and, 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 and it worked out. And so Sunday morning, oh God, get up at ungodly hours to put ungodly choking clothes on, to show up to, you know, and, and but we did, we went that day. God spoke to us. I don't remember what the message was, but God spoke to us, grabbed us. By the end of that service, we were both at the altar, and we didn't leave that place again for 15 years, and that was only to plant this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so, so these guys weren't really, but, but they go to Ahab, and they tell him, that was a whole side note, sorry, that was a bonus, that was free, but they go to Ahab, and they tell him, you know, God, we, you know, we, we just want to live. We heard that you were merciful, and First the officials go, you know, the king doesn't go because he knows the other king should be killing him instantly on sight. He should be killed, right? Because God delivered all of his people. That means that God is against those, right? If God delivered one, that means he's against the other. Do you, do you, do you get that? Okay, so they go to him and, and, and Ahab, he's such a punk. I, I mean, this guy really bothers me. Ahab says to him, oh, the king is still alive? He says, and this is quote, but you know, in, in my paraphrase, He's my brother from another mother. Bring him. And it says that he, he actually says he's my brother. Because kings saw themselves as, as brothers. Unless they were against each other, then they were enemies. They should have been enemies. But this punk says, he's my brother. Come on. And it says that he led him into his chariot. And he made a treaty with this king. And it says Ahab covenanted with him. So Ahab covenants with an enemy of God. Ahab delivers, rescues, and makes peace with what God had marked for destruction. Now listen, there is an incredible principle here, and I don't think it's any coincidence. We started this series weeks and weeks ago, and, and there's no coincidence that, it, that we're here talking about this today with elections this week. Listen to principle. What God is against, we need to be against. We can't love what God hates. We can't make treaties with enemies of God. If God is against something, we cannot go and embrace it. We put ourselves against God. Do, do you understand that? That an enemy of, listen, a friend of my enemy is who? Is my enemy. Right? I can't make friends. See, if somebody is against me, let's put it practical. If somebody hates my wife, We're not cool like that then, right? If somebody hates my wife or my children, don't text me like, what's up, or nothing like that. No, no you're, you're an enemy to my people. You're an enemy to me. You understand? If you hate them, you hate me. If you're an enemy to my wife, you are my worst enemy. And I will keep you close and keep you guarded. Amen? So, so see, it's the same thing. See, Romans 14, 22 says, Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Take that to the ballot box. Amen? All right. So the very next scene, God sends a prophet to Ahab with this, you know, Ahab does this. He becomes an enemy. He makes, him, he makes friends with this enemy of God. And so the very next scene in this novella, God, God sends a prophet to Ahab with this big illustration. And basically what the illustration shows him is that because he made a covenant with God's enemy, because he allowed this wicked king to live, God was going to take his life in exchange for his life. And God was going to take the lives of his people in exchange for those people. Somebody say that's harsh. 
God don't play. Amen? And so the word... And so the word says that King Ahab went away to his palace heavy and displeased. The man was a little upset, right? So he, he goes away heavy and displeased. And all throughout with the series that we've gone through, Ahab always gets mad at the prophet. Ahab always called, he called Elijah his enemy. He calls Elijah the troubler of the nation. He calls this prophet later on his enemy. He says every prophet is out to get him because every prophet that comes to him brings him bad news. Listen, family. Understand that whomever God uses to bring truth into your life is not necessarily your enemy. Amen? See, I can't tell you how many times people have gotten mad at me, have left thinking that my entire sermon that day was a clever plot targeted at them. Some of you don't even want to look at me because you're like, I thought that too. Some, some of you people have accused me of somehow talking to their family, getting information. Some have said I bugged their phones. Some have said I've set them up, that, you know, their family told the pastor everything so that he can get me there, so that I, he can just blow me up on Sunday morning in front of everybody. Listen, if you get hit between the eyes with the word of God, know that God's word is alive and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword and... and, and I'm, not, I'm just not that smart. Amen? I'm not that clever. I'm not that all-knowing. I'm not that good. Amen? So, so God is that good. God's word is that sharp. God's word is that clever. And so he could use a knucklehead like me to just come and say something that you had just asked him about or that you had just struggling about or that you just did. And, and sometimes that wasn't even part of the message and I just say it and people go, why, why you, why you, why you, and, and, and I get all kinds of craziness on me. What? That's what you want. Amen? Everything that God does, I'll say it again, around you is fashioned that you may know that he is God. Don't get mad at the prophet. Don't get mad at the deacons. Don't get mad at the person that took a risk by stepping out and praying for you that morning and sharing what was on their hearts. Don't start talking about the pastor. Don't leave unless, listen, unless it was done not in love and unless it was done in manipulation, do not leave that particular church because while no church is perfect, at least you know there God is speaking to your issues. Amen? I don't know about you, but I love hearing a message that deals with my stuff. I love hearing a mess. I listen to more sermons than probably a lot of you combined. I love listening to sermons. You know, I critique them for myself. I learn from, for me, it's like school. You know, I say, oh man, and, and it's no secret, people that know me, they know I want to be T.D. Jakes. I always wanted to be a big African-American preacher that sweats a lot. I always, I wanted to be that so bad. I want organ playing behind me. I want, I tried to get Manny to do that one time. He told me no. And so I've had to come to understand, I'm not T.D. Jakes. I have my own style. And, and that takes a long time because a lot of, you go to a lot of church and you say, wait a minute, that guy's not just like this. And, and it's because, you know, it, it's a trap that we fall into. We think we got to be like Joel Osteen. We think we got to be like, like whoever's popular, right? No. God created me, me. And I'm going to be me. I accepted that when I planted this church. 
Amen. And love me or leave me alone. But I don't know about you. I love hearing a message that deals with my stuff. It's because, see, it's God first showing me that he is God. And then it's also God showing me that he sees me and that he cares for me. You understand, when you, when you come and sit and there's 150 people and God is talking directly to you like nobody else is here, what does that tell you? It means that, man, God is awesome. It means that God sees you, that he loves you, that he noticed you this morning. Amen? And not this morning because I don't prepare this this morning. I prepared it last week. All through the week I'm wrestling with this. So that means all through the week God is wrestling with me, trying to get in my head to make sure that you get blessed. Because he loves you, because he sees you. And, and lastly, I, I love hearing people talk about my stuff because then once I get over myself, I realize that there are other people listening, you know, along with me. And then I realize it's not all about me. And then I realize, man, there are other people struggling with the things that I struggle with. And so that lets me know that I'm not alone. Amen? Would you turn to somebody and say, you're not alone. Now, some people just go to church to hear about other people's stuff. And they sit there, don't touch me. Don't talk about me. Don't pray for me. I'm fine. I don't need to answer no call. I don't need to respond. I don't need to raise my hand. I don't need to put no money in the offer. Don't, don't. I'm fine. You are in good company. You are just like King Ahab. That is dangerous company. Okay, so this is what happened. Ahab goes back to the palace, and the message puts it this way, that he is in a bad mood. Somebody say, bad mood. And so now the first sentence in the next chapter of the Ahab's novella, it says, there was a man named Naboth, listen to this, he, who owned a vineyard that was really close to Ahab's palace. And so Ahab goes to Naboth. Somebody say, entrometio. That means like busybody or, or, or somebody's always want to be in somebody nosy, always want to be in somebody's business. So a, he probably owns nine-tenths of all the land. He's the king. But there's this little vineyard next to his palace, and he's in a bad mood. He says, you know what, I'm going to go over to Naboth. And it says he goes to Naboth, and he tells Naboth, yo, I like your garden. I'll gladly give you some money for it, or I'll give you another garden like it someplace else, but I want it. I want to grow vegetables and vegetables in it. And Naboth says, God forbid I give you my land. Because, see, what you need to know is in this culture, land is attached to the family. And so even if a person, even if we have some hard times, even if the economy goes bad or whatever, and we have to give our land to somebody in, in payment of a debt, in 50 years, the year of Jubilee, it all gets returned back to the families. Amen. Your debts get canceled. Your land gets returned back. So the land is with the family forever. So you have to understand that for the king Ahab to ask him for that land was inappropriate. He knows. He's the king of Israel. He knows what that, so that was inappropriate to begin with, but check this out. It says, the story goes on that, you know, Naboth tells him, you know, forget it. That's, that's, that's not godly. That's, God forbid I would do something like that because then my, my children, nobody, they won't have anything. This land is, is, is inherited by my kids and all that. So the story goes that King Ahab left that meeting and he became depressed. He laid down around the palace. He refused to eat. He was like a spoiled little kid. He threw temper tantrums. And it was in that state that Jezebel finds him and mocks him. Men, when we start acting like little girls, we will be treated as such. Amen? 
And so he's throwing a little tantrum, refusing to eat. Can you see a grown man, the king of Israel? No, I don't want to eat. You're not hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Just acting like a little, you know, acting like a spoiled little girl. And so Jezebel comes to him and Jezebel says to him, is that any way for the king of Israel to act? And Jezebel tells him, who is this Naboth that he should speak to the king like that? Aren't you the king? And then she says the most dangerous words in the word. She says, I'll take care. Men, when your wife has to take off your pants and put them on over hers, it will never end well. Say amen. See, I'm, my, my whole purpose for this church is to raise men that say, I'll take care of it. Amen? I, I, oh, man. I want to hear men that tell me, you know, hey, there's something leaking in that other room, but I'll take care of it. There's something broken downstairs, but I'll take care of it. There's someone having a hard time in this family over there, but I'll take care of it. There's somebody struggling, they don't have enough, but I'll take care of it. There's a marriage struggling, but I'll take care of it. There's a, there's a kid that's wilding out in the family and there's no dad there, but I'll take care of it. Amen? See, I'm, I'm desperate to raise men like that, and I'm starting to see. I know, I know we have some men in here like that, and I'm excited by that. I, I love the fact that we, we, we're having concerts and wilding out, and if something happens outside, oh, man, it, it must look so intimidating to the enemy. When something happens outside, all you see is one man looking at, or, or it's, sometimes it's a lady because ladies notice things. I'm not saying you're nosy or nothing, but, but you're more in business, and so you notice that something's wrong. And so it's usually a lady will come to us, right? Sally or, or Sally or somebody will come to us and say, listen, there's, there's somebody's outside. And, oh, really? And so Drew will look at Merck. Merck will look at Mark. Mark will look at Joe. Joe will look at me. I'll look at Manny. Manny will look at... And, and before you know it, there's seven men running out the church saying, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And can you imagine how... I mean, that's powerful, amen? They, because this neighborhood is not... God didn't put us in a weak neighborhood. You see, they start breaking our windows on Halloween. That's what the enemy could do to us, break windows. Break little glass windows. He said, Trump, I can fix that. And I will fix that this week. And you can come and break it again, and I'll fix it again. And you can graffiti the building, and I'll paint over it. And you can do it again, and I'll paint over it. There's men up in here, amen? So, so, so we need to raise godly men, but, but, but Ahab was so not a godly man. So listen to what, what Jezebel does. She says, I'll take care of it. Immediately she starts writing letters on behalf of the king. She takes his authority, that's the Jezebel spirit, takes a man's authority away from him. And, and she starts sending letters to all of the officials. And she seals them with the king's signet ring. Anything that's sealed with the king's signet ring means it has full authority from the king. Jezebel has no business even holding the king's signet ring. Amen? Amen? Please don't, don't call me a sexist. Don't send me bad emails. I, I, love, I love you. I love all of you. And, and, and you, you know what I'm saying. I just want men to stand up and take their place. Amen? And so she, she, she sends all these letters out. And so people are saying that it's coming directly from the king. She takes his authority. She says to all of them in the letter, let's proclaim a day of fasting. Here is the biggest witch in all of scripture proclaiming a day of fasting. Now understand, when, whenever uh, 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 in those days when a king proclaimed a day of fasting, it's because there was sin in the community. 
And it was because, you know, a prophet had told him, I'm not blessing any of your people because there's sin in your lives. There's sin. And can you imagine what would happen if it was like that today? And, or, or is it like that today? When there's sin among you, when there's sin in your community, God says, I can't bless all of you. When there's sin among you in your house, God says, I can't bless the rest of you. There's sin there, and that sin cries out to me, and it stinks, and I can't inhabit. I can't be where sin is. So remove the sin, and I'll, and, and I'll, and I'll come in. Amen? So that, that's, what, that's why they call the day of fasting. So, they, you know, so people in the community heard this, and, and they, you know, people want to come together and, and atone for it. So notice Jezebel calls for a good thing for a bad reason. Side note, we can do good things for the wrong reasons. Amen? How many times in our relationships we do good things for the wrong reasons? Ooh, that's a whole other message. See, this seemed like a holy thing until the true plot is exposed. Then she says in the letters, make sure that Naboth, that's the guy that owns the vineyard, make sure that Naboth is seated, in, is seated sorry, is seated, make sure he's seated in a prominent place in the assembly. And then seat two scoundrels next to him. And then when everybody's looking, have those two scoundrels, the word says, accuse Naboth of cursing God and cursing the king. And so they, they did it because the officials were deadly scared of Jezebel, deadly scared of her, her wrath and all of that. So they did it. And so she, notice that she's following God's word, God's method to the letter, but she's not following God. Is that scary? See, it's a wicked thing when we have the appearance of godliness covering all of our selfish intentions. So she followed God's word to the letter except the part about it all being true. Listen, we can do religious things. We can go through the motions of Christianity. We can act Christian when it's convenient. We can talk using Christian words. We can even gather with people and do Christian things and God could be nowhere near it. I truly believe we've been seeing that in the last few years just being exposed in the church of God. I believe we're seeing these leaders fall and we're seeing these kingdoms crumble because God is exposing the Jezebel spirit in the church and he's just crushing it and he's shutting it down. I believe we're going to see it more and more. But <coughs> Let me redirect and, and, and close with this. What, what she did was when they announced him and then they proclaimed that he was wicked and he um, spoke against God and spoke against the king, what was customary, what was law, that means we had to take him on the word of two witnesses, which he had the two witnesses, we had to take him, take him outside the city and stone him. So they took Naboth and his family outside of the city and stoned him to death. And so the next scene is, the story ends this way, Jezebel announces to Ahab, I took care of it, Naboth is dead. All his descendants are dead. There's nobody left to take his vineyard. That means it belongs to the king. Go take your vineyard. The vineyard is yours. Ahab, the word says, immediately went to the vineyard. And though, even though Ahab didn't do it, even though he didn't set it all up, talk to a police officer, talk to somebody about the law, even though he didn't set it all up, even though he technically didn't kill anyone, even, and even if he didn't know everything she was doing, which I think he did, but even if he didn't at first, he knows now. And so accepting the garden means accepting the guilt. Is that, is that good? 
by accepting the garden, he's accepting the guilt. And, and so then, only after he steps foot in the garden, listen to this, this is crazy. The Spirit of the Lord comes to Elijah. God's Word always comes to the prophet to deliver to his people. And so, the Spirit of the Lord comes to Elijah. He sends him to meet Ahab right there. So, Ahab walks into the garden, and he's walking around. He said, this is mine. This is what I want. I just wanted to plant a couple of tomatoes. He said he just wanted a garden to plant vegetables. He killed an entire family because this, this, see, Begwens, I just wanted a little, a little garden to plant tomatoes. And so now he's in the garden and he's like, wow. And God meets him right there in the garden. Because the second he stepped foot in that garden, he took on the guilt of the garden. And so right there, God meets him, sends, sends Elijah to him. And listen to this. God, God sends Elijah to him and he says, In the place where the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, they're going to lick up your blood too. I'm bringing disaster on every one of your descendants. They will all be cut off. The dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall. The King James says, everybody inside, this is weird and you can check it, everybody inside is going to be destroyed. And even he that, King James, that pisseth on the wall, I'm going to, what does that mean? I'm, man, I'm angry at anybody connected with you. It says in King James, check it, don't believe me, check it. It says, even he that pisseth, I didn't even know that was a word, but it's King James. Even he that pisseth on the wall, God said, I'm angry, I'm killing you, I'm killing your UPS man, I'm killing your FedEx guy, I'm I'm killing your goldfish. I'm, I'm just so fed up with you, everybody connected with you is wrapped, is done, right? Somebody say, that's angry. God don't play. So, so really, and then, and then look what the word says. This drives me crazy. It says, when Ahab heard all of these words, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he fasted and he walked around meekly. He was broken on the outside. He was repented on the outside. He was just just humbled on the outside. He said, God, that's it. I'm done. God is killing everybody, even my UPS guy, my everybody. Everybody's dead. God is killing. And so it says he humbled himself and he walked meekly. And listen to this because this will make you crazy. God then sent to Elijah, have you seen how Ahab humbled himself? Some of you say, tell me the truth. Are you done with Ahab right about now? I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I don't care how he repents. I don't care what letter he writes me. I don't care how nice he can send me presents. He can send me horses and chariots. I'm through with him. But no. God says, do you see see Ahab, how he's humbled himself? And so God sends Ahab to, he tells Elijah, have you seen how he humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but in the days of his son. Because God humbled himself, because he, see, God has this thing with humility, he smells it, he has this thing with repentance, he, it's, it's like Acts cologne, you know, you spray repentance on you and the spirit of God is all over you, you, even, even false repentance, even the appearance of repentance gets God's attention, isn't that incredible? So imagine true repentance, imagine true humility. Imagine true brokenness. But listen, 
So he says, I'm not going to bring this disaster on him in his days, but in the days of his son. And so really what God does is he extends his mercy to Ahab again. And he extends it this time a little further. It doesn't wipe it all away, but he postpones judgment. Now listen, this is why, this is, this is something that many of us struggle with. And many people have asked me, why does God let the wicked go so long? Anybody ever asked that question? Why does God let bad people do bad things for such a long time? How come? Why does God, why does God extend his mercy again and again? And the answer is grace. The answer is God's mercy. The answer, and probably too many of us, listen, would not extend grace to a wicked man like Ahab. I know I probably wouldn't. We wouldn't want God's grace extended to that person that hurt us. We wouldn't want God's grace extended to that person that did something to a family member of ours. We wouldn't want God's grace extended to that person that abused us as a child. That person that robbed me. We wouldn't not want God's grace extended to those gang members who went around this weekend slashing ladies' faces this past weekend as an initiation for the Bloods. I wish the Bloods would just understand that the blood that was needed to be shed for us to be in has already been shed. Amen? And so we wouldn't want grace or mercy to be extended, but yet every day when each and every one of us falls short, we call on that grace. We call on that mercy. And so if God has to, if the only way that God could extend it to us is that God has to extend it to everyone. Amen. And what I love about this passage of Scripture is that though you, you, you really, through it, you really get to see the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God. Even though the Word says there was never a more wicked person than Ahab. Even though it says he behaved in the vilest manner going after idols. We see through the entire passage that after each fall, before each fall, God's desire and was and still is to restore people to a right relationship with God. Everything that God does in and around you is fashioned that you may know that He is God. And so, as I was reading this about God extending His grace, listen, I'm closing with this, postponing His punishment, I was reading where it says that all of it will not fall on Him, but it's going to fall on His Son. And I couldn't help but to feel sorry for Ahab's son. Right? He said, I'm not going to punish Ahab. Well, I am, but I'm extending it. It's not going to fall on him. It's going to fall on his son. And, and I started thinking, but God, you know, the guilt, I was feeling like it's not fair. The guilt of all that was done by Jezebel, of all that was done by Ahab. Is it fair that the guilt of the garden would fall on the son? And just then, kind of God just quickened to my heart and he says, see, See how it was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Where Jesus, my son, prayed to the Father and said, Father, if this cup could pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And it was in that garden that Judas betrayed him and sent him into the hands of the soldiers. And so we could say that Jesus, by accepting the garden, the son accepted the guilt. And so the weight of all the wickedness of not just Jezebel and Ahab, but the wickedness from then all the way to you and I, he accepted that day in the garden. And see, every passage in the word of God will either bring you forward or take you back to the gospel that you may know. 
the good news for you and me today is that he is that gracious. He stepped into the garden knowing what would happen there and fully accepting, though he was innocent, the guilt of all of the world. And he accepted and he paid for it. Can we just bow our heads? So instead of asking why God lets the wicked go so far and so long, can we just thank him today that he's extended it to us and and finally understand that everything that God does in and around us is fashioned that we may know that struggle that you went through that you may know that he is God. That blessing that you received, that you may know that he is God. That unplanned son, that unplanned daughter, that you may know that he is God. That check that paid that bill, that you may know that he is God. That loss, that thing you suffered, how God turned it around for good, that you may know that he is God. Would you just, let's just bow our heads and can we just, can we just pray on that? Can we just think about all of the things that God has done that we may know that he is God? I'm going to ask Pastor Gary to come and just pray. That you would understand the guilt. That the son, by, by stepping into the garden, took the guilt. By accepting the garden, he accepted the guilt. Father, we just thank you today, Lord God, that that there's grace and mercy for our souls, Lord God. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that although we failed, Lord God, we've neglected to pray, Lord God. We, We haven't done the things that we know to do, Lord God. But I thank you, Lord God, for that you are a loving God, that you don't give up on us, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, that that you come after us, that you'll leave everything just for the one, just just for the one soul who's hurting, just for the one who's going the wrong way. If you need the grace of God today, if you're saying today, "I, I need mercy, I need the forgiveness of God, just going to ask you to stand with me right now because I need mercy today. To say I need grace. I've messed up. I've stumbled. There's times I know to do good and I don't do it. And I I just need grace today. I, I need the forgiveness of heaven today. I need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for each one who's standing before you today, oh God. Father, I just extend mercy. See, God is making you clean right now. The the Bible says that if you confess your sins, that God is faithful and just, and he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter that 
horrible attitude that you've been carrying, the angry words you've been speaking, the way you've been lashing out. Maybe you forgot about God this whole week. And because you're standing before him right now, he's pouring out forgiveness. He's cleansing your heart. And he's cleansing your conscience. So, Father, we just receive that right now. In Jesus' name, we receive forgiveness. I thank you, Lord God, for those, that those who are standing. Father, I thank you that they are mighty men and women of God. I just decree over you right now, if you're standing today for grace and mercy, I decree that you are a holy man, a holy woman of God, that you are a man of virtue, you are a woman of valor, and the Lord makes you clean today. Just receive it right now. Just receive the washing by the blood of Jesus of your past. Everything that you've ever done is being washed away right now. If God could forgive one of the most vile, evilest kings in the history of the Jewish people, how much more will he cleanse you, his, his child, his beloved, his bride? Just receive right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that the sin is washed away. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.